Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing Monday's interview with Oscar Trimboli. And joining me back in studio are my friends and fellow leaders, Jake Sullivan and Bryce Daniels. What did y'all think about the interview with Oscar? The interview was very thought-provoking. He uh, brought out a lot of aspects of listening that I had never really thought of before. Yeah. And the interview also challenged me as well. He, he really caused me to search my own self and really think about how intentionally I've been listening to other people. Yeah, and think about your motivations for listening and what you're doing in the moment as well. All right. Jake, what did you think? I had this notion of the uh, almost joke of the psychiatrist and how does that make you feel? Sort of question that gets asked as they're talking yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And that brought to mind for me that we don't really take seriously people who listen to us too often. It's that we don't want to be listened to even that it's an annoyance when people press us on what we say. And it makes me uh, excited to actually listen to people deeply. And how we ask questions does matter. And Oscar talked to that a little bit in the interview. You don't want to sound too formulaic. You also don't want to sound condescending or anything like that, right. but be genuinely interested. And you can figure out the appropriate way to ask those questions that help the speaker go deeper without sounding like you are better than them or anything like that. I think there's definitely a possibility for that. One of the things that arose from the interview that I was wondering about is after listening to the interview with Oscar, do you feel like you are a good listener, according to some of the ideas that he shared with us. No. Why is that? It's never been my goal in listening, or usually it's not my goal in listening, to help someone else figure out their idea to Hmm. flesh it out more. I usually bring to the conversation an assumption that other people have thought out as fully as they can their ideas, and that's probably not true, and I should... I will work to be better as a listener. Well, so that actually brings up an interesting question. Do you tend to bring your ideas to conversations pretty fully thought out? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Because I think sometimes we have that temptation to assume that people are, are, are more prepared or are more ready than they are when maybe we ourselves aren't even quite there. We just assume certain things about people that may not be true. Well, and even if we are, he talked about the speed of speaking and listening and thinking, and I can have it fully planned out, but that doesn't mean I'm going to put the right words to it. I might not communicate it well enough. And an active, deep listener can help me communicate the thoughts, even if I have planned out what I want them to do. Yeah. So to remind the audience about that, uh, what what Oscar talked about is that we, we talk at 125 words per minute on average, and we listen at 400 words per minute. But then we think at 900 words per minute. 
And so you have the speaker speaking and also thinking, right? And then the listener obviously is listening at 400 words per minute. But the the likelihood that someone thinking at 900 words per minute is speaking the most accurate 125 words out of those 900 it's kind of small, right? So we, we can't assume that people are coming to the table or, or coming to the conversation saying exactly what they mean at the most accurate level. I thought that was really an interesting way of putting that because I'd heard those statistics before, but it was really an interesting insight from Oscar. Bryce, from the interview on Monday, do you feel like you are a good listener based on what Oscar said? Well, I believe anything Oscar mentioned in that that interview would even cause a good listener, someone who thinks they're a good listener, to question how good of a listener they are. Um, I've been told that I'm a good listener, and I feel like I do a pretty decent job of listening. And I I believe that this will come along later in conversation. Sometimes, you know, we listen and we'll kind of pinpoint how we're going to respond or sure. how much we're going to take in as far as like the content that someone has given us based on how we listen. And I, I think that I do a good job of taking in what people are saying and actually being attentive because a lot of times we'll catch ourselves. We'll be listening to someone and we'll make it seem like we're listening, but it's really just going in one ear and out the other, you know, to quote the old cliche. Yeah. And you kind of brought up something that is interesting to think about, which is when you are listening to people, what are your main goals? Because, of course, Oscar, in his five levels of listening, the end goal is to help the speaker understand what they mean better. I don't think that most of us think about listening that way. So when you do come to a conversation, as you, as you think back to everyday conversations or maybe particular conversations that you've had recently, what are your main goals as you're listening to people? My main goal when I'm listening to people is really get a feel for what they're trying to say. And also I usually try to get a feel for a person's facial expressions. Yeah, That's usually a good telltale sign for me about how genuinely or how authentically someone feels or is thinking about what they're actually saying. Yeah. Facial expressions and like body postures, that sort of stuff. It Mm -hmm. definitely uh, plays a lot into the ways that I listen to people, but I usually assume if they don't say it the first time that they don't want me to know it maybe. (laughs) So I will make conceptions of what I think they mean and not usually press them to see if they need to, think through that a bit more or express it in a different way and just assume that that's something that I'm not privy to yet because we're not at that level of a relationship. Mm -hmm. So generally my listening is to maybe grow the relationship some, but also to make sure people are comfortable and have a conversation and just create a space between us that allows for that sort of stuff to happen. Is there any chance that you could give an example of when you don't push for deeper meaning? I think one of the most common ones, and this might just be because I'm involved in a church full of young, like early to mid twenties people yeah, is when there's definite interest between two people in like a Mm. maybe romantic relationship. And I'm never going to push on that unless I'm very close to that person because like Mm -hmm. maybe you don't even know yet, but like I've got a strong feeling that you're leaning that way. Sure. Yeah. That's, I don't know, a lot of stuff with money or politics, stuff like that happens too, where I don't know if it's a thing we even want to talk about. So I'm going to let you have that. And then when we become more comfortable around each other, it's a topic that we can get into. That's really interesting. 
you know, I, I really have to pay attention to how comfortable somebody feels about whatever it is. Cause sometimes people will just want you to listen and they may not even feel that comfortable talking with you about something. Yeah. And I kind of use that to gauge, you know, like, okay, am I going to ask more about this specific subject? Am I not like, am I going to see if I can pull more out of them or am I just going to like leave it where it is? I was just talking to someone yesterday and she, she was getting to know someone. She had some common interests and this is more on, on a business level. But she was talking with them probably over Skype or something like that. And she at some point found out that he had a very different worldview perspective than her. And it caught her off guard. And she said, I know that he could have just read it all over my face. Like when (laughs) when something goes wrong, you can just tell and you try not to. But like, you know, whether you swallow hard or just like, you know, whatever it is, like your your face gets flushed. It's hard to hide those things. But. That's a good opportunity when we see those things to really try to help them understand what they mean and help us to understand too. just kind of come to an understanding. And if we don't go past that and just leave it there, then I think there's some missed opportunities for relationally growing at a deeper level, but also really coming to a a better idea of, of where they are, helping them understand that and helping you to understand that. So one of the things that nonverbal cues happen for me the most is as an employer, when I interview people, I have to not just hear the words they say, but take the information I have and read body language and like how they carry themselves because they will be interacting with customers a lot. And that's that's a big part of where I have to listen, not just on a conversational level, but on a professional level and as a leader. And I was wondering if with that in mind, there are any specific cases y'all have that as a leader, you have to deeply listen and actually press for certain things. They might not be willing to say yet and probe into uh, on a deeper level. What is the meaning? I think with me um, being a youth minister, I connect with a lot of kids that may be quote unquote unchurched. And the conversations that I have with them are very unique because when I'm listening to them, the kids are really just talking to the best of their knowledge because a lot of people outside of church, they get intimidated when they meet somebody that is in church because they're thinking to themselves, okay, do I need to say this a certain way? How can I say this without sounding, you know, just like completely wrong. And I really just listen for how comfortable that kid may be um, talking about a certain thing because sometimes they'll be very confident and they'll like, look, look me in the eye. And they'll just feel really good about what they're talking about. And then other times, if it's a part of Christianity or a part of their faith that they don't feel very strongly about, they kind of shrug because they're unsure. So what I try to do is make sure that I'm very non-judgmental with my approach, because sometimes your body language or the way your face looks will make the person that you're listening to feel judged. And I make sure that I make them feel very comfortable and I make sure that the questions that I ask are just very basic and um, maybe even kind of leave them open ended. I found that uh, using open ended questions when you're listening to somebody deeply makes them feel more comfortable and it might even help you see deeper into how they're feeling. 
Do you hit them a bit harder when they're confident about it? Do you ever like press on things a little bit more? I mean, they're still kids, right? So exactly. Maybe not, but. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, not even, uh, necessarily kids, uh, physically, but sometimes mentally, because a lot of them, when it comes to, uh, Christianity, they're really just trying to understand it. And there have been a couple of kids. Well, before I say that, let me say this. I'm not really a big challenger. Like I'm, I'm proud of my faith and I'm confident in it. But at the same time, I'm not just going to like drill somebody about it. I'm more of that person that tries to lovingly drive them in a certain direction. You know, I, I might ask, you know, why don't you think about it this way? Or maybe you should see this scripture this way. But at the same time, you know, I do want to show my confidence because if I'm trying to grow them, you know, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be about Christianity. It can be about anything in life. I want to teach them how to present it in a way that shows that they have knowledge, but doesn't make them sound like so much of a know-it-all. How How do you think as you're not challenging, but kind of guiding or directing, how could you ask questions to help them get to a deeper understanding of what they believe or what they mean? Okay. So initially when I'm talking to any kid, especially the kids that really have great questions about, you know, Christ or about how faith works or maybe about how a certain story in the Bible, like its origin or like how it can apply to their life. I usually start by asking them how they feel about it because the way you feel about something, usually if it doesn't dictate the way that you're ultimately going to feel about it is a good starting point. Yeah. And then I ask them about, you know, any questions that they have and then I'll take them to a certain scripture or, I, or even what usually does the best for me is asking them about how they've heard it in the past. Yeah. Because sometimes you have, um, uh, kids that come about and they have this ideology or this way of thinking about a certain thing when it comes to Christianity or it comes to the Bible. And I might have to reel them in a bit and I say, well, that's not quite the way that it probably should have been presented to you when you heard about it. <laughs> Let's look at it this way, you know, and honestly, sometimes I'll just sit down with them and we'll crack open a Bible and we'll just go through it and look through it. And I'll show them, you know, how the context that they heard doesn't quite line up here. Or I'll show them a different way to look at that context. And I'll say, now let's start formulating your own context. Coming back to me, asking them how they feel about it. Once I figure out how they feel about it, I'll do my best to connect how they feel to what's actually being said. And then that's how you align their heart with what God's word is trying to say to them. So one of the main things for me is I work with volunteer musicians, and anytime you're working with volunteers, you want to challenge them to excellence, but at the same time, you can't push people too hard. And it's probably true of anyone. You don't want to push anyone too hard, but especially volunteers, because they're doing it uh, with the time they could be doing other things. Hopefully they're doing it because they enjoy it, but they also are giving their time. And so I try to be very careful to not push people too far. Uh, but balance that, that challenging and also um, working with the time that they have to offer. And so you you have to figure out what that looks like and figure out how to communicate with each person differently. But especially when people, you can tell they want to transition for whatever reason, you have to work hard to figure out why that is. And sometimes, especially based off of what Oscar shared, I can see the value of helping them to understand what they mean. Because a lot of times when people give an excuse 
is not their actual excuse. They may be hiding their actual excuse from you for some reason, but I think there's value, even if they don't want to share it with you, to push people to admit to themselves and hopefully admit to you as well the actual reasons they have for stepping back from their responsibilities. I think there's a lot of value in that. And this is something that recently I've been wrestling with and hearing Oscar has been helpful to think through what that practically looks like, not only for my benefit and for my team's benefit, but also for the benefit of the person who is looking to make a transition. In Oscar's interview, I really saw that with deep listening, especially from a leadership role, there should be more than just the cliche or normal things that leaders do when they're listening to people. Yeah. For example, I noticed that in a lot of leadership positions, and I've even been guilty of it myself, usually leaders will listen to people just to get an understanding and just to show that they care. And that's it. Yeah. They just stop right there. So how can leaders do more to listen past to just get an understanding and past just to show that they genuinely care about a follower situation? I think a lot of it goes back to what Oscar said, maybe a couple times in the interview, but definitely towards the end of the interview. One of the things he was saying is that the reason you want to help someone understand what they mean is to help them make better decisions for themselves. Because if they can make their own decisions, they will own those decisions. So the way that relates to leadership is you want your followers to be able to have full buy-in to whatever you are doing, whatever they are doing, whatever the team is doing in an organization. And so if you can help them understand what they mean and understand what they want and come to that conclusion, then they're going to take a whole lot more ownership of that. That needs to be a primary goal of a leader. I think that's one of the key things that we can take away from this interview, that if we as leaders do a good job of listening to help people understand what they mean, then we can really get everyone on board optimally for our common goal. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I think if you're already listening to show that you care, then you're you're already most of the way there because you care about them. Um, learning to be a a deep listener and to listen to what's unsaid and then eventually push them to listen for the meaning and get them to take that ownership. Like Josh was saying, like Oscar said in his interview, you end up with more leaders being crafted underneath you. And I know Oscar hit this at least once in the interview. We're not here to make followers as a leader. You're here to make more leaders and the leaders are going to be the people who take that ownership in the team and in the mission that you have. So as we're building these leaders, as we're, trying to become better leaders ourselves and better deep listeners, which of the five levels of listening do you actually practically use the most in your roles? I believe, as a matter of fact, one that I'm using more and trying to learn to use better is the context. In a world where diversity is growing at a very rapid rate, we even just in American culture, let alone international culture, have to learn to listen for the context in which people are saying certain things. Uh, and this might be getting a little personal, but even in my own relationship, like with my girlfriend, I'm learning more and more. And she's even like teaching me to listen more to the context in which certain things are said. 
And listening to context, usually for me and my experience, has really created a much better understanding and a much better grasp of what's being expressed whenever you're, you're listening to someone. So I like that answer a lot. I find it hard not to answer with content because I think that naturally, as far as the one that I use the most, that's your question, right? Yeah. As far as the one I use the most, I think everyone, for almost everyone, has got to be content because that's the very base level of listening. We... We exchange words, and we don't have to listen to anything beyond that. But we're definitely going to be hearing the words unless we're totally just, you know, not engaged in the conversation at all. So the one that I use the most is content. The one that I think is most valuable that I'm going to be taking away from this interview is level five listening, which is listening for meaning. And what that really means is helping them, helping the speaker understand what they mean. I think that's valuable, but that I can't say that's the one that I use the most. But what well, that, would you say? That, I think that what you're saying is interesting because I would say like as a teammate or in everyday life, content's definitely the answer. But when I when I consider myself as the leader in my employment situation, I stepped into a role as an owner and as a manager after someone who didn't care, didn't listen on purpose almost yeah. to what people said. So I find myself when I'm being the leader, it is to listen to what's unsaid because the people that I have working under me are trepidatious to actually say things. And so I have to figure out what they're not saying and press them to to speak on it. And I think that's a good point. The context does help you to be aware that the content is not enough. So when you're aware of deeper levels of listening, then you realize that the previous levels are important, but that's not all there is. So I think that's a great point. As you understand more, you understand that your listening needs to expand. I, I still think that the content is as the most basic one is the one that I can't get around, but I think that your answer is an excellent one. Now, one of the things that I want to turn to before we get to our key takeaways for the day is something that Oscar said towards the end of the interview. He said that in the 20th century, there was a lot of teaching and a lot of preparation there was a lot of training around speaking with influence and impact. But he said that in the 21st century, one of the key things for leaders is going to be learning about listening to others. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I thought it was really interesting. And I think there's more that could be said just on that whole topic right there. Well, not to be the uh, the old man that's yelling about millennials or Gen Z years now, I guess, but... I think there is certainly a lot in our society right now for the way that social media is set up to everyone speaking. And it's a lot less active listening that happens. Um, our communication levels are just at a place right now where listening is not a very natural thing. So I could see that being true. It's definitely not a, a point I'd ever considered. The contrast between the focus of leadership in the 20th century versus the 21st century was very interesting to me when Oscar mentioned it. I never realized that there was that much emphasis on leaders being able to speak and speak well and speak with authority. And I hope that especially the young leaders will learn how to listen with authority. I really believe it's possible for that to be done as well. Yeah. I think there's always room for both. And I do think that we could probably do a better job of learning to listen. Jake, I like what you said. Everyone's talking. No one's listening, it seems like. Uh, at the same time, 
just like a lot of things in life, I think there's room for both. I think that we need to be excellent in the way that we communicate with people so that we can be effective in our influence and have great impact. At the same time, I think that we can have significant impact through listening to other people and helping them to understand what they want so that they can make better decisions for their lives. So I think it's a combination of the two, but I do think that we do need to become better listeners. Jake, just like you were saying with social media, everyone's speaking, but no one's listening. So let's go ahead and turn to our key takeaways for the day. Bryce, what would you leave with listeners for this week's interview? I would say that we should use listening as an opportunity to learn more about the person and not just to learn more about what they're speaking about. Good word. Jake, how about you? I had a few key takeaways. One of them was, and you're going to have to remind me how it said because it was an Aborigines Australian word. What was this word? Dadiri. Yeah. The the idea of self, people, land in the, the way that you listen to it. And this greater idea that life isn't personal. It's communal. It's a thing that we do together. So you have to learn to listen to people. And that's going to tie back into Oscar's goal of reaching a hundred million deep listeners that it's got to be a goal greater than your lifetime. It's, it's a very life as a communal aspect to it that we have to be involved in. If we're going to be good listeners, it also seems like it's good to seek an outside perspective and to be an outside perspective for other people. That's key. So find someone that listens to you well and listen to other people. Well, and my last big point, and it's the point that comes up all the time in my life, hydrate or dehydrate. It's always important, whether you're running or like climbing or doing something outdoors, or you're just trying to listen to people. Stay hydrated. Hydrate or dihydrate. I've never heard that before. But I second that. It's, it's close to my, my first key takeaway, and it's really the, the three points of Oscar's level one listening. Level one listening is listening to yourself, and he recommended three things, and he said this multiple times throughout the interview, which is why it's one of my key takeaways, because he thinks it's important. The first is to turn off your phone when you enter into a conversation. The second is to take a few breaths before you enter into a conversation. Become present. And the final one is drink water. Or as Jake says, hydrate or dihydrate. The second one is related to level four listening, which is all about asking the follow-up questions, listening to understand. So if someone says something, ask the follow-up question. Try to really understand what they mean by what they're saying. And the third thing is listen in order to help people understand themselves better. This is going to allow you to help your followers make better decisions for themselves, which ultimately is just going to empower people and help you be more effective in the mission that you're trying to accomplish. Well, Bryce, Jake, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. Of course. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, Share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.